I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks so much to all of you who have gotten the Breitbart app, picked up my book, Breaking the News. You can also go to alexmarlowe.com for all my socials. But most importantly, telling 10,000 friends and family members about the new podcast and giving us a five-star review wherever you get yours. Every little bit helps, and we're very appreciative of you. Uh, we got a big show today. i break down all of the latest headlines at Breitbart.com uh, from Gavin Newsom perhaps being father of the year. The coronavirus vaccine mandates somehow are getting even worse. The Biden inflation has exploded. And the latest on this infrastructure bill, which uh, Mitch McConnell is extra excited about. And Beijing heading for a super cold winter, which might explain why they don't seem to give crap about the climate right now and are, are on a mission to burn as much coal as humanly possible while globalists around the world gather in uh, Glasgow to talk about uh, how much surveillance of uh, polluters they want to do and uh, what that means for your future. All that comes up in the monologue section. And then we will speak to Congressman Greg Murphy, who I believe is the only practicing doctor in the entire Congress. There are some other medical doctors, but he has his own practice that he maintains. And I've been checking in with him throughout the pandemic, and he's truly been excellent on this every step of the way. And he has, I think, provided a lot of clarity in an increasingly unclear environment. And I will get him to weigh in on this sort of blockbuster study that Texas put out saying that you're 20 times more likely to die of the coronavirus if you are unvaccinated and also get his take on the infrastructure bill as well. So I get into a lot of that plus mask nonsense and whether or not your kids should be, should be susceptible to vaccine mandates. All that comes up and very important because this is one of the true authorities, I think, in Washington on the topic and bench presses guys like Dr. Fauci Stein. And as always, we'll feature our caller of the day. We took so many calls today on the live show, 6 a.m. Every day, three hours, live broadcast. You can also get the replay on the SXM app. There had to be north of a dozen callers. Uh, but we will choose one for today, and we'll highlight that towards the end of the show, as we often do. But first, I want to talk to you about something that is a really big deal. I'm not the only one who's noticed this. Everything is getting more expensive. Looking at my gas bill, grocery bill, everything is going through the roof and we are in the biggest economic crisis, no doubt, since 2008. And the government is printing trillions and trillions of dollars and consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years and they're going up. Inflation is not even close to transitory. It is here and even the establishment media is starting to finally acknowledge it. So if the government continues its out of control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA, and they make it easy. They're the highest rated in the country with a A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. So if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. I can't even believe that. $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. And so why wait? Call them now. 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660. Or text ALEX to 65532. That's 866-670-7660. Or text ALEX to 65532. Let's get into it with the monologue. Let's begin today with a quick uh, update on some of the inflation that's going on, which 
we were told wasn't happening, and now the establishment media is telling us that the inflation is actually a good thing. Well, it's going to be a very expensive Thanksgiving with turkey prices up 41%, home heating oil up 115%, which might be good if you are a left-wing freak because you think that actually we shouldn't have heating oil. And thus, even if you have a, uh, even if you need it, well, maybe it's okay because, you know, heating oil is bad or something because it's not green enough, but 115.8%, a residential natural gas up 28.7%, residential electricity up 5.6%, um, and producer prices are up higher, which of course gets passed on to the consumer as well. Food prices up double digits as well. So all of this is happening in Biden's America. And I don't know if this is one where the Biden administration can outrun. I just don't think enough people are on board with the MSNBC narrative that this is actually a good thing, that that is what they're trying to tell us. And I I don't even need to indulge the argument why it's a good thing. I think that people are just getting poor. It just means that you getting poor is a good thing. And so that they can push some sort of a green agenda and some sort of a woke Biden BS agenda. And uh, this is happening. It's real. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to be able to explain this because they're trying initially to deny that it was happening. And now they're kind of claiming that it's a good thing. Uh, John Nolte does have a piece that where he breaks down the gaslighting that, uh, for example, high gas prices is a good thing and high other prices is a good thing. And this is how desperate the establishment media has gotten and how far they're willing to go. And the we're suffering as a country. And this is a, a essentially a tax on the poor, a tax on the working class. And the wages are not keeping up with inflation. Americans are falling behind because Joe Biden is uh, doing a poor job. And so the people who got him in there and want him to stay in there, uh, typically people who are not going to have a problem with heating oil prices. And they're not, even if they whine about it, they're not going to really have a hard time even paying pay an extra 20 bucks a week in gas. Those are the people who will sell you, people who are struggling more, that this is a good thing. Yeah, and Biden, by the way, has blamed gouging for high gas prices and has for, is forming a tax force. A, I'm sorry, a task force. Not a tax force. That's a, he's got many of those. But he's got a task force that will be run by the U.S. Attorney General to investigate alleged abuses. So the problem is that people are gouging you for the gas. It's not that we stop pumping our own oil. And we're still shutting down pipelines. And that the green lobby is so powerful, they don't want us pumping our own oil. That's not it. That's not why we've got the high gas prices. It's that there's some gouging. That's it. So, and Mayor Garland's going to get to the bottom of it. He's going to figure this out. Okay. Speaking of green stuff, the, uh, the, the, there was a, uh, a concern that something had happened to Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, the terrible governor of California because he disappeared from the public eye for a while. And he usually shows up at these climate summits and he decided not to go to the cop 26 summit at the last minute. And people were thinking, well, maybe he had some sort of a bad reaction to the coronavirus vaccine. Cause he just gotten a booster. That was the last time people had seen him. And he, he disappeared. And a lot of people in right wing Twitter were suggesting and probably had to do with the vaccine. Uh, I, I never thought that I thought that was a, a, a probably wishful thinking for the anti-vax crowd. But uh, as it turned out, he claims that he skipped the climate summit so that he could go trick-or-treating, which I kind of get that in a way, because if you have young kids, trick-or-treating is one of the most fun things of the year, not just for the kids, but for the adults as well. But uh, we're being told that this is a climate crisis, that we're all dead. The world's going to catch fire. We're all going to burn alive. We're going to be incinerated by the sun. 
or at least drowned out by the rising tides. Uh, unless we deal with this now. It's so urgent that we must deal with it right this second. And yet he skips it because, you know, he's got to take his kids around the block to get candy while they wear uh, skeleton costumes. So th- that is a circle that is not squareable because they want to intimidate us into all turning over more of our freedoms, more of our money, typically to unelected globalists in the name of global warming. But uh, Newsom can't take the trip to go to the big summit that everyone in the left-wing West is at. I'm not sure if that's an adequate excuse, especially when people also note that he toned, uh, he turned up at the wedding of a oil heiress. I think it was a person named Ivy Getty who is uh, related to the Getty oil family. And this was something that I'm always excited to talk about because people forget that Gavin Newsom is the ultimate silver spoon guy. He's a guy, as Larry Elder, my friend, put it, put it, was a guy who was born on third base and was told he hit a triple. Um, his father was the general counsel for the, uh, the for the, I think it was the Getty Foundation or if not Getty Oil itself. But anyway, his father comes from massive amounts of money from the Getty Oil family. So this is a guy who wants all of you to spend more on gas and wants all these green initiatives and all of these freedoms to be for normal Americans to be taken away is comes from a massive amount of wealth. And all that wealth is from oil, from fossil fuels, from pollutants. So just a friendly reminder that that is the Gavin Newsom that we all know and love, uh, the ultimate hypocrite. But that's not a problem with you on the left. If you're on the left, being a hypocrite is typically not really something that people are deeply concerned about at this time. At least at this time, maybe one day we can we can hope. Yeah, other climate stuff that I think are worth noting, the UK is seeking a carbon border tax on countries that don't meet climate goals. This is something that we have at our Breitbart London Bureau today. The British government is seeking to impose border carbon tax on imports from countries that do not live up to the green vision of conservative Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I did speak to Nigel Farage, who is an old friend of us at Breitbart, uh, right before Boris took office. And uh, Nigel, who was publicly very optimistic, was privately not as optimistic about how the Johnson administration would go. And he turned out to be a big green authoritarian, uh, just like the rest of them. And that's a shame because it just seems like there's so little leadership there. So in the meantime, the United States, where we were demonizing fossil fuels, Biden is, you know, allowing oil prices to go through the ceiling. Gavin Newsom can't make it out to the climate summit. Well, Kamala Harris went to Paris and had a 20 car motorcade. So does she really need 20 cars to drive around Paris? Um, I don't know about that. Apparently she did. Took Air Force Two over there. Huge motorcade to have a meeting with French President Emmanuel Macron and other world leaders. So she was escorted around past the Eiffel Tower and uh, elsewhere. And it's just it's it's surreal to watch this stuff when we are constantly told we need more of our freedom. Al Gore needs to surveil us with new technology. And in the meantime, China is so in your face on this. It was unbelievable. One of the most popular stories we had yesterday at Breitbart News is that their coal output is hit a multi-year high in the middle of this climate conference. And they're so in your face about it. They're saying they, uh, they have an all-out campaign. This is a direct quote from the Chinese government. An all-out campaign to produce as much coal as possible for both mines and foreign suppliers. So while the entire world, entire Western world, the entire globalist left-wing world, is in Glasgow talking about how we need to reduce our emissions 
China is saying, not only are we not going to reduce our emissions, we're going to produce as much coal, dirty coal, not clean coal, dirty coal, dirt coal, as possible. The in-your-face nature of this is unbelievable, and America's left is just rolling over on it. Um, NBC, which will uh, ostensibly be airing the Beijing Winter Olympics, which start in just three months or four months, I think three months now, despite the fact that there are coronavirus outbreaks throughout China. We're going to go there. We're going to have the Olympics. We're going to act like it's no big deal. And they're not acknowledging human rights abuses from the Chinese. So the organization that pushed the Russian collusion PP dossier that constantly pushes the narrative that America is this incredibly racist place, they're going to go over to Beijing, which is part of China, communist regime, literally interns Muslims, literally discriminates against black people for their race, has Han supremacy, no free press, jail journalists are worse, discriminates against women. All this stuff is just going to be completely ignored so that they could get some uh, sweet commie cash when they're broadcasting the Olympics. And some of you might still tune in, which is a problem. You really shouldn't. You really absolutely should not. Americans should, should boycott, flat out. Flat out boycott. I see no argument against it. Uh, meanwhile, in Wuhan, by the way, there is a illegal video game viewing party. So there's this is the they've had the worst coronavirus outbreak since the beginning of the pandemic. And so a year and a half, almost two years since the beginning of the pandemic, this is the worst coronavirus we've seen in China. And there's a illegal video game viewing party that the Global Times reported on in China. Does this bode well for when the Olympics happens? No, it does not. It also does not bode well for the world. I've had my eye on this at Breitbart for several weeks now, thanks to the excellent reporting of our world editor, Francis Martel, uh, which is that we are seeing spikes in coronavirus in certain places in the world, particularly in China, which, as I noted, really bad right now. Germany's had a huge outbreak, and now we're starting to see it in the United States. And a lot of people on the right were pointing out something I pointed out uh, yesterday, which is that Florida is doing particularly well with the virus. Ron DeSantis is great. Everyone claps and high fives, which is all very good. I'm in agreement on that. But we're now seeing coronavirus surging in California. And California has some of the most severe lockdowns and mandates, period. Kids are still masked up. People are in certain big cities. You can't use businesses or you're discouraged from using businesses if you're not masked and vaxxed. So again, congrats to Florida, but that's not really the point. The point is, is that when you're seeing surges in uh, Western Europe, you're seeing surges in Central Europe, you're seeing surges in China, you're seeing surges in California, then there might be a suggestion that we could be getting another wave here. And if we are getting another wave here, this of course will be used to take more of your freedoms, more of your rights, we'll keep you all masked up and bummed out and uh, more locked down as we head towards the 2022 election cycle. The goal is to make sure the pandemic is still alive and well when people start voting. Once they start voting in 2022, it means they can keep all of those phony baloney, unnecessary, cheat by mail rules in place that helped deliver Biden the White House in 2020. So keep an eye on that. It could be coming sometime very soon. But California, four times the daily cases than Florida, which the media should never stop talking about, but they won't talk about it. And even conservative media might miss the key point here, which is as uh, clear as that is that we should all open up. It's also a suggestion that we could be heading towards some sort of uh, additional wave. One thing I will note, which is irritating, we got this clip of the CEO of Pfizer 
Albert Bourla, who spoke about coronavirus, COVID misinformation. And I feel compelled to play this one. So let's play it, Mr. Paul. Play 5A. There is, uh, uh, there are two groups of uh, people, right? There are the people that they are vaccinated. There are people that are skeptical about the vaccination. And both of them are afraid. Uh, those that are getting the vaccine, they are afraid of the disease. And they believe that because people are not getting vaccinated, they are increasing the risk to them. They are increasing the exposure. So they are, let's say, mad with them that they don't get the vaccine. Those that they don't get the vaccine, they're afraid of the vaccine. And uh, they are mad with the people that are pressing them to, to get it. And there is those I understand. Yeah. They are very good people. They are decent people. But they have a fear. And I understand it. And they don't want to take chances. But there is a very small part of professionals which they circulate on mm. purpose misinformation so that they will mislead those that they have concerned. Those people are criminals. They're not bad people. They're criminals because they literally costed millions of lives. And, and should be treated as criminals as well, those who have done that. This is from the Atlantic Council. And I'll say this is someone who got the Pfizer vaccine and concluded that was the best thing for me. But it's amazing how I, I just don't think that this persuades a single additional person to get vaccinated. Calling people who are anti-vaccine, in this case, criminals, uh, is not is not helpful. And this is the thing that is bothersome to me because the vaccine messaging is just so bad. And uh, Pfizer's got some issues. You know, one of the most prominent um, spokespeople on all things coronavirus was a former FDA head, Scott Gottlieb, who I think has largely been pretty credible on this, but he's on the Pfizer board, and that, that's attention. You know, it's a, it's a, if he's on the board of Pfizer, of the FDA to Pfizer, Pfizer's got the vaccine out, they got to be careful the way they message this stuff if they actually want people to get the vaccines. And just quotes like this are just really toxify big pharma, which does so much more good probably than uh, uh, than we ever talk about because they're just so often so repulsive as an industry it is uh, the humanity of it all, the greed of it all. So it's just interesting to point this out. And I, I wanted to share this particularly with those of you who are, are annoyed with my semi-advocacy for the vaccine. That I, I'm, not, I'm not coasting through on this thing. I, I don't like this stuff and I don't think it helps anyone. The people who are against the vaccine are spreading misinformation or criminals and should be treated like criminals. Whoever chimed in there sounds like someone from the Atlantic. The Aaron Rodgers saga continues because he is on the Pat McAfee show, which is where his uh, comments on the vaccine originally surfaced. He's on there every week. So he's on again. We've got some coverage of that at Breitbart News. Uh, but one thing that was interesting that I caught was this, this, the, the use of the word woke the left has now decided that the word woke is uh, racial. And the left, of course, created the term woke. And just like so many other terms, like the term fake news, for example, we on the right co-opted it and made a mockery of it because that is one of the tools that we have at our disposal. We're really good about it. Uh, and it's really fun to make fun of the word woke. And then now you've got people like ABC's Sonny Hostin on The View or is it Hostin? I think Hostin's better because she's a host. That's more amusing to me. Uh, but she says that Aaron Rodgers' use of the word woke is despicable and very dismissive of its racial uh, origins. And AOC said the exact same thing. That is a, it's really about social justice and it's about a civil rights. If you use the word woke, then it's, uh, it's really that you don't like the civil rights if you're mocking it. 
So this is the new move now. They're trying to take that word away from us because we use it to effectively mock the left, we on the right. So uh, Aaron Rodgers is now a racist. It's a he's got 15 years of playing in an industry that is how what percentage of uh, NFL players are black? Two thirds ballpark, and uh, Rodgers has been there has had no issues with race at all for 15 years. Whatever he's been in the NFL, and uh, now all of a sudden he's uh, racist because he used the word woke. <laughs> woke is a new N word. Try, try to sell that to people. I mean they might try. So that is the new move. That is the new move. Speaking of The View, we have a clip that was going viral yesterday. Was The View did something very interesting, as they put Morgan Ortegas on, who's a former State Department spokesperson, who's been on the show a few times and is someone I really like as a media person, um, was a top person in uh, Mike Pompeo's State Department, and has been very good about reaching out to Breitbart when she was there to make sure that we got uh, exclusives and we actually got to speak to the secretary when he was there. So I have a lot of nice things to say about Morgan Ortegas. And for some reason, they let her co-host The View, uh, which I got a feeling they're not going to be doing that a lot just because she's actually really good. And they don't typically put conservatives on who are really good. And they put her on with pencil neck, Congressman Adam Schiff. And it did not go well for Mr. Pencilneck, and the clip went very viral online, and I will play it for you right now. Do it, Paul, 1A. So I want to ask you about something that's in the news a lot right now. Um, you've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee, and you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted, uh, and they are. Uh, and unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Uh, so Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, if people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, but at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. And let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman... Pause. Uh, it's a, the, 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 I gotta say, the, the, the lies before we get into the back and forth. The lies of uh, Michael Flynn and Roger Stone were so uh, non-sequitur. These are non-sequiturs. They had nothing. They did not impact the American life in American society at all. They had no impact. And the lies pushed by Pencil Neck and the rest of the Russia hoaxers had immeasurable, caused immeasurable damage in our, to our republic. So for him to create this uh, false equivalency is so unbelievable that only a left-wing person who actually has some respect for Pencil Neck uh, could possibly just let that slide and think, oh, yeah, Michael Flynn lied too. Yeah, I got it. Same as the Russia hoax. Same as uh, four years of trying to uh, cancel a and nullify a presidential election continue was giving internal polling data campaign polling data to russian intelligence while russian intelligence was helping the trump campaign. And to be clear he was fired halfway through the campaign well he may have been fired yeah but the the effort to get russian help continued and even beyond the effort to get russian help but you may spread russian disinformation get... yourself for years by promoting this i think that's what republicans and what people who entrusted you as the intel yes. committee chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this well i, I completely disagree with your premise uh, it's one thing to say allegations should be investigated and they were 
It's not to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is impossible, of course, to do. But, but let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an erection, insurrection, which he did. Um, none of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele. No, I think just your credibility is. No, I think the credibility of your question, the credibility of your question, uh, is in doubt. Yeah, it's a good question. He, he I've actually never. I was thinking about. It. I've actually never seen pencil neck face questions like that. He's either doing the questioning or he's on very friendly CNN or MSNBC. So it was very calm and very reasonable, and he looks like such a joke and all that. Um, last one I will mention at the outset of the show. I'm increasingly uh, interested in particularly of the group of 13 Republicans who saved the Joe Biden agenda by passing the infrastructure bill uh, with Nicole Maliotakis because she's been on the show a number of times and does a nice job on the show. And she totally shocked me when she supported this, this bailout for Biden. And she went on Fox News to talk about why she did this. And her rationale is so unbelievable. I want to actually play it for you guys so you guys can understand um, whatever this is that plagues Republicans so often that they feel like they uh, they they need to compromise with the left who wants to destroy us all. Let's play 2A, Mr. Paul. Look, I read this bill, and it is cover-to-cover cover infrastructure. $350 billion is going to roads, highways, and bridges, which you would consider traditional infrastructure. And then the other $550 billion is for you know ports, airports, seaports, uh, ferry systems, coastal resiliency so, projects like the East. So, first of all, this, these other numbers are all disputed. The Wall Street Journal, not exactly a far-right outlet, it thinks only about 110 or so billion of, of it goes to traditional infrastructure. So, uh, obviously, that's disputed. The most charitable thing you can get is that two-thirds of the infrastructure bill is infrastructure. So, that means a full third is not, even if you're being the most charitable of the Joe Biden viewpoint. Uh, how could that be? How could that be? It's like if you said, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to get uh, broccoli and only broccoli. And you come home with two thirds broccoli and, um, you know, one third soft swirl ice cream covered in jimmies. Then you didn't just get broccoli. You got uh, two thirds broccoli, one third soft swirl. And then what if it's actually you got 90 percent soft swirl? I mean, then Joe Biden would definitely be coming over and he'd be chowing down on that big league. But it is a just just so, so it's so dishonest. Go on. Shore seawall that's so important to my district, sewer systems, which is so incredibly important following uh, Ida, the damage that took place in New York City, upgrading our subway signals to a uh, to a communication-based train control. We're still re- relying on pre-World War II equipment in some uh, subways. So th- for an aging city like New York City, this bill was incredibly important. And the reality is, is that this is the type of investment that people actually pay taxes for. Those basic infrastructure needs that you expect from government but have been neglected for decades. And as you reported earlier, I also believe that we significantly took away the leverage from the socialist squad. It is why AOC and the others voted against it, because they knew that if the true infrastructure bill passed, the spotlight would go onto their social spending bill that includes the IRS agents, it includes the amnesty, it includes giveaways to the, those who are in the country illegally, the taxes, the vaccine mandates and penalties, all of that that we remain opposed to, and we are going to fight tooth and nail with the moderate Democrats to stop. Uh, this is 
so ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous argument that AOC and Cory Bush and, and and all these left-wingers in the squad got to go to their districts and say, well, I stood up to Joe Biden, the moderate, and it, it allows Biden to have this veneer. He's actually a moderate. And so she supports the position of Pencil Neck and Jerry Nadler, the Frankfurter guy, and uh, Nancy Pelosi. And then she announces this took away the squad's leverage. It, it gave the squad leverage. Because the squad is now so powerful because they get to say that we were the ones who were pure, unlike the rest of the Democrats who were sellouts. They get to keep their street cred. That is the exact opposite of taking away their leverage. He gave them a, a ton of power. What would have been interesting is if the Republicans didn't roll over and uh, made the squad debate with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi have to go to the squad and say, if you guys don't cave on this thing, if you guys don't go our way, then uh, we're not going to get anything through. That was the fight we wanted to watch. We didn't get to watch it, largely thanks to Nicole Maliotakis. Um, should be primaried, obviously. So I'll be uh, interested to see if any candidates emerge. Very sad. Sad to say, but important to say. Take a break and come back. Did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most powerful conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Now we're going to roll our interview with Dr. Congressman Greg Murphy from North Carolina, who has really helped me have a lot of clarity on the coronavirus, and we'll get into the border crisis as well as the Biden inflation and the latest infrastructure uh, nonsense that sadly some of his colleagues supported in the Congress. We'll get his take on all that right now. Congressman, there's a study that Texas did that came out, I guess, in the last day or two that suggested the unvaccinated are 20 times more likely to die from COVID-19. This is a, even though I've been a supporter of the vaccine now for a couple months, but this is a pretty shocking number still. This is very, very high. And um, it feels like something that should be shared with the public. But instead, what do we get? We get Big Bird got the jab. That's what we're getting. I've said this many times, and actually I need to say it a little bit more recently, is that we've been uh, building a plane while flying it. There's so much information just specific to this virus that's just acting like so many, so differently than so many other viruses that um, that we do learn every day, and some of the models and some of the theories and everything change. Um, you know, there's one study out that came out and said that uh, natural immunity, meaning that your immunity after being uh, having the infection is greater than the vaccination than being vaccinated, and then it's come out vice versa. But we do know that you know, and I can say this from personal knowledge, 
Um, I go through our medical center every three or four months and go through the COVID units. And most recently, you know, 90% of the people in the ICUs, the people that have really failed everything else and go to the ICUs have been the unvaccinated. And unfortunately, uh, it used to be that, you know, if you had the, uh, went into the ICU, you had a good 50 plus percent chance of making it out. And now, at least uh, in the last couple months, it was down to about 20, 25% because uh, it's just as that bad a disease. But I've not read that particular study, but it's sobering. It's sobering to that fact. Um, I've been an advocate of being vaccinated. You know, we can talk about the children vaccination because I think that's an entirely different schema. But, yeah, uh, and we, and we it will. Is, uh, it is interesting. And so, yeah. And one thing that's interesting that we've discussed on the show a number of times, Congressman, is I think the spokespeople for the vaccine have been so awful and uh, they've been so bullying. And to see, you know, some of the conversation about how, you know, Aaron Rodgers, because he doesn't want the vaccine. And if you hear his arguments for it, I think some of them are pretty good. Some of them are not as good. But the, the bottom line is he's the peak of physical health and he should be free to not get it if he doesn't want to get it. Uh, he's clearly his full information about it. And even if you disagree with his take, I, it, they're talking about people want him thrown out of the NFL because he hasn't gotten it. And this is the arguments that are being presented to the unvaccinated. And I think what's much more powerful is you present a study like this. You present that you're 20 times more likely to die if you don't get it. That's the argument. But that's not what we're getting. We're getting this bullying. We're getting, hey, Big Bird got it. You should get it. It's a Big Bird's not even a person. Big Bird is a former government employee puppet. No, I I, very, very salient point. And isn't it funny because the, the Democratic left, uh, was always about don't bully people, this, that, and the other stuff. But they're, as usual, hypocritical in their actions. You know, it's going to be interesting because uh, I believe it's this week they're going to have a debate at the NIH uh, with some of the senior officials, senior infectious disease doctors, um, with Fauci about mandates uh, for vaccines. You know, I believe 100% we ought to have it in the uh, in the higher risk group and everything. It's just the other risk groups that uh, it's going to be an interesting debate because there's some arguments that say, look, in the lower risk groups, people by and large are going to be very fine. And that's really the way that we should be building up the true, quote, herd immunity or greater immunity at large. Um, Again, I'm going to say, especially if you're higher risk, in my opinion, get vaccinated. But this shaming of Aaron Rodgers. I was actually uh, heartened to see, I think, that State Farm said they were not going to kick him off because news. he has his right to choose. So uh, that was a, a great – that was that was very uh, glad to see because of woke America, everybody falls in line, um, that they're letting him choose what he feels is right. And you're right. He's a, he's a specimen in, in excellent health. Yeah, no, and I'm in total agreement there. It was great news that uh, State Farm said that, and I hope other – uh, corporate advertisers follow suit that are they're more open-minded to people on this uh, issue and then the other thing here is that it is not only is fauci and biden been such horrible spokespeople for the vaccine um but also there i don't think the, the big pharmaceutical companies have done a great job touting it i played a clip from the pfizer ceo and i got the pfizer vaccine personally so i'm a believer in his product it, but it's a the way he sold it was so condescending and you know, they're really pushing hard to get the kids jabbed. And, you know, the Scott Gottlieb has largely been pretty, uh, I think his analysis has largely seemed somewhat credible to me with the former FDA chair. But, you know, he's on the board of Pfizer. All of the optics of this, uh, Congressman, I think it works against the efforts people are making to try to get the medicine, which is pretty good. 
into the arms of individuals who need it. And, and not to mention how it was sold as this is going to be, you know, 95% is going to block the virus, which turned out not to be true. It, but it's lessening symptoms at an amazing rate. It's a people don't know what to believe and we need a big reset here and it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, it's the arrogance. Uh, it's the arrogance of the of the left that really uh, speaks volumes here. We see it so many times and time again. It should be, hey, look, this is the evidence. We really believe in this rather than a condescending. You must do this. And that's yeah, what people right. you know, uh, we're in America. It's individualism. We, we get our backs up when we're told what to do so much on the right do anyway. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw Dr. Rubin's comment on the FDA panel about children's vaccines. Now, they said it should not be mandated, but he said that, you know, we don't know uh, about safety in children. We'll figure that out after they start getting it for a while. Fortunately, we wrote a letter to him say, look, you better retract this or resign. And he, to his credit, wrote back and said, thank you for allowing me to clarify this. But again, it's just that type of bullying that gets people back and gets people's back up that makes them so much more vaccine hesitant, so so much more to say, okay, all right, I understand this, and I'm moving forward with it, rather than being told what to do by this overreaching now administration. Uh, So uh, what what do you recommend here, Congressman, because you're someone who's on the messaging side, the politics side as a congressman now, but you're also on the medical side, being a a literal doctor uh, who practices. So where would you take the conversation now if you could? What would you remove from the from the mix and what would you add to it? Well, I believe everybody and this is a personal opinion. I I will just say this is a personal opinion. I believe everybody over 18 um, uh, should consider vaccination. I think, again, this is a decision between a patient, in my opinion, which should be a decision between a patient and a doctor, not the, not a citizen and their government. And I think you sit down with your doctor and you talk about risks and benefits. And if people say that, look, I feel fine, I don't want to do this, then that is their choice. Um, I don't think we get to herd immunity with so much that this thing, because of the way that this mutates, I spoke with a virologist about six, eight weeks ago and say, tell me where you postulate, where, where do you think this is going to go? And the hope is that this thing mutates into something just like another coronavirus, the common cold, in that it is so much less lethal, so much less virulent. However, that's probably not going to happen in the next year or two. And so in that meantime, I recommend people talk to their doctor. And I do, you know, I tell my patients because, you know, I still see some patients that I recommend them getting vaccinated, especially those especially those who are elderly and um, obese, hypertension, kidney disease. And, you know, I'm tired of the of the leftist monologue that it's only the Trump Republicans that are not getting vaccinated. That's a bunch of of baloney, because the people that I've seen in the ICU, uh, I would say, are not Trump fans. Um, Can't say that for sure. They're intubated. But um, that's just not the case. That's just not the case. So that's a bunch of BS. Let's talk about a couple other headlines that we're seeing. There's a lot of people who are pushing mandates, particularly for kids. I think we're going to see that quite a bit coming up. Uh, do you see any evidence that young people need to be getting this? That it's a, I'm not saying it's not between the parent and the doctor and the family. I'm saying that like a mandate, which does appear to yeah. be on the horizon. Yeah, well, I mean, the FDA panel came, came out and said they believe it was okay for emergency youth authorization for children. But they themselves said they didn't believe it should be mandated. And let's take a – I'm going to move away a little bit from the medical viewpoint, but take it to the political standpoint. You you saw the mama bears come out in Virginia when they finally had had enough of uh, the government telling them what to do with their children as far as education goes. 
Well, when the government comes up and tells them what to do um, about mandating a vaccine in a disease that for children is so infinitesimally less lethal than it is for adults, you're going to see the mama bears really come out. They're not going to be just Republican or independent. You're going to see the Democratic mama bears come out and say, no, no, no. Look, you know, COVID, measles, mumps, rubella, polio, those were things that were childhood diseases, especially polio. And if this had been polio, by all means, I would say get vaccinated. We, we need to do this because it's killing kids right and left or, or really doing other damage. We're not seeing that with children. And then they give the argument, well, the children can spread to the other people. Yes, they can, but at much lower rate. So I don't think the argument to get your 5 to 11-year-old kid vaccinated with this vaccine is there yet. I just, I personally, that's my personal opinion. Um, I just don't think it's there yet. And if they come out mandating it, which they're already doing in California, I think they're going to have major, major problems. Uh, I think so, too. So do you see also some of this data that's coming through showing that Florida that's largely been open is doing the best now with coronavirus currently? And California is now seeing four times the cases as Florida, even though they are still under lockdown in many ways there and have more mandates and more masks, et cetera. Um, Again, another one the establishment media doesn't want to touch at all. Do you have any take on this? Yeah, and so I think what it tells us, Alex, is that despite our best intentions, this is a bad virus. Um, You know, I wish I could say that I think masks make it all go away. I think if you look at the third curve that we have, the third surge that we have, um, that we would have never, that was when the, the country was most masked up above any other time. That's when the mandates were through. And we would have never seen that third surge if, if these masks did anything. I wish I could say they did. Um, I think it's now become, in some ways, virtue signaling, um, where I care. Well, you're saying I don't care because I don't believe this is really something that's doing something. You look at the paper masks. They, they don't do anything. Um, no. I think, uh, sad to say, and, you know, this is going to be a hard topic, a hard thing for me to say, but illness happens in this world. We do our best that we can to prevent it. Um, some things help really prevent it, like vaccinations. I don't think other things like being masked or locked down, like in California, have really done much. Yeah, and you called this one right. Our first interview over a year and a half ago on this, I think you nailed it on the mass. You were very skeptical they were going to do much, and I think that's clearly been the case. Um, Congressman Greg Murphy, Republican from North Carolina, let's turn away from the coronavirus, as tempting as as it is to just use our time, only talk about coronavirus. Um, But the House advanced a massive over a trillion dollar build back better infrastructure bill and it was bipartisan and it was there were 13 republicans supported this uh, rescuing the biden agenda uh some of them on the list of republicans who supported this i was truly shocked by uh, first of all uh, what do you make of the legislation and what was your reaction to some of your colleagues really kind of uh, picking a uh, biden up off of the mat uh, when he was down for the count and that's what they did. Alex, you know, I, I think there's bipartisan agreement that we need something done with infrastructure in the country. I, I mean, I, I think there is. We, we, need our, we need help with our bridges, with our roads, with our waterways, with our broadband. However, only about 15 percent of this infrastructure bill actually dealt with that. Otherwise, it was a democratic socialistic um, wish list. And so, you know, the AOC crowd, I believe there were six that did, did not vote for it, but it was rescued. Um, by 13 Republicans, some of whom we knew beforehand, a couple that I don't think people did know. You know, Adam Kingsinger, who's basically um, told the world to kiss off as he's on his departure tour. Sure. Uh, but we had people like um, Don Young up in um, 
Alaska has always been all for infrastructure. The here the the real issue with this is even almost not even that infrastructure bill, but what it does is it opens the door now to the passing of this massive, massive, like 1.5 million isn't massive, but massive, massive sense uh, of essentially a socialistic change in our government. The five trillion, it probably turned out to be 15 trillion dollar um, spend uh, of the uh, reconciliation bill, because that's where this leads to. If we had not passed the infrastructure and we'd have been hold firm on it to actually do true infrastructure, then we would have never gotten um, this uh, reconciliation bill even on the table. Um, this is the real problem with America. It's going to, we, we're seeing inflation. We're going to see hyperinflation, um, I fear. I'm not an, an economist, but we're going to see hyperinflation with all this massive, massive otherwise spending and putting other businesses out. And, you know, yeah. growing government, we think the Great Society Program grew government. It'll look nothing compared to this. You know, and this is what we're being told that the uh, that the Build Back Better will reduce inflation. Um, this is according to the White House, which is a laughable concept. But could you give me your thoughts on it? Well, I, I think it, I agree it's laughable. I mean, they've not been right on one single thing about this. And it's going to you know, we're seeing inflation now because there are two things primarily. And again, I'm not an economist. There it was some pent-up demand, um, without a doubt. Actually, this is multifactorial, much more than two things. Um, two, we kept people, we paid people to stay at home. So instead of producing 100 widgets a day, a factory only produces 40. So the cost of each of those 40 goes up. Also, the uh, supply side, um, supply chain issues have made uh, things much more uh, you know, scarce, so driving up prices. The fact that we cut back oil production in the country and buying more expensive and more um, carbon footprint oil uh, from overseas drive prices up. So their 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 mythology that this will help with inflation is just they have no concept. They're tone deaf to facts and reality. So, uh, you know, get ready. Hold on to your hat because inflation is a tax on everybody, especially the poor. And it's going to get worse. Um, one thing that you noted that I think is correct is that this could be the the table setter for the Biden's um, uh, the efforts and the Democrats' effort to have this new cradle to grave socialism entitlements program that would cost I think it's four trillion is the number we're talking about. Um, uh, is that where the discussion has shifted now? And how how much are you concerned that this is a possibility that it could pass? Because from my vantage point, it looks like. Now the Biden's in a position to pass to pass it. So uh, if he can just flip Joe Manchin, it might come down to that. It might be that simple. Well, I, I share that fear, Alex. To be very honest with you, and I do think it is a cradle to grave kind of socialism. Um, they they preach victimhood wherever they can. Everybody's a victim one way or the other, and um, <clears throat> then the government should pay for it. Um, it's just totally anti-American. This is not what our forefathers stood for for this country. It's not what the um, thousands and hundreds of thousands of Americans have died for um, in this country. You know, we're a very empathetic country. We we, we give more to uh, poverty around the world than any other country. And we do the same thing in this, con- in this country. But it's, now it's all about equity. It's all about everybody should have exactly the same um, rather than equality. And, uh, you know, I don't know that Biden's running things. I think, you know, I have a great theory that uh, the uh, Democratic intelligentsia sat down at a table and said, Bernie, don't run because uh, you can't beat Trump. We're going to let Biden win, but we'll run all your policies, Bernie, because that's what wow. it looks like. 
That's what it looks like. Biden's just a puppet, but we're doing all of Bernie's policies. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Congressman Murphy, uh, let me ask you also um, in the time that we have remaining that the, about the border situation, which is continues to be uh, appalling and seems to be getting worse. And in particular, this effort to pay for handouts uh, and to pay for reparations, essentially, for people who are separated uh, under Trump from their alleged family members, not necessarily family members. Uh, I I have no clue how this is going to get implemented, and it does seem like about the most offensive policy imaginable coming from Biden. But uh, what's going on at the border and your take on this policy? Yeah, so this is one thing where Democrats and Republicans have uniform uh, agreement that this is an atrocious policy. We are think about this, Alex. We are literally paying people who willfully broke the laws of this country. You know, you get separated if you uh, if you're a theft, if you steal a car, what happens to you? You get put in jail and you get separated from your family. We don't know if these are real family or not. And they knowingly came into this country unlawfully. And these are the laws of this country. You break the you break the laws. You face the consequences. And now this is, again, virtue signaling. It's an attack on Trump. And I'm sure the trial lawyer associations of this country had <clears throat> very much to do with this saying, well, we'll settle for four hundred fifty thousand dollars per person and they take off their 50 or 60 percent or whatever and they get uber rich from it but i mean this is atrocious and democrats as well as republicans are being repulsed by this notion of paying people who who knowingly came into this country unlawfully congressman greg murphy republican from north carolina thanks for all the time congressman appreciate it god bless alex have a great day same to you talk to you soon be right back Very clear eye from Dr. Congressman Greg Murphy. And again, he's my nominee to start doing some of the messaging to right of center America on the vaccine and its benefits and not Joe Biden and not Dr. Fauci Stein and not Dr. Hot Mask Rochelle Walensky and not Stephen Colbert and not even Big Bird. I think they're not effective spokespeople uh, for the vaccine. I think uh, Dr. Congressman Murphy could very well be that person. But hey, uh, I don't think CNN or the Biden administration are going to listen to me on that one. Um, Every morning at 6 a.m. Eastern on the live show, Breitbart News Daily, we take many calls. Today, we probably took, I don't know, a dozen or so calls. uh, And every podcast, we will highlight one of them is a call of the day. And uh, today, it's Tracy in Long Island. Uh, She was reacting to some clips we played of Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who suggested that the Commerce Department and others are actually not fully prepared for this massive undertaking of spending over a trillion dollars on infrastructure, particularly when it comes to the broadband expansion. The workforce is not entirely trained up or certified or ready to go to actually spend the money that Congress has now allocated. And she's even concerned that contractors will not be hired in an equitable way, meaning that American businesses are, according to Gina Raimondo, the Commerce Secretary, presumably racist and bigoted and are going to be discriminatory in their hiring practices, uh, hiring inferior people because they have the correct skin tone uh, and not hiring other people who are more qualified because they are, I guess, not the right skin tone. Uh, it is just a horrible sentiment that I think uh, indicates the true hatred that so much of the mainstream left has for this country, thinking that we're all just walking around engaging in racism on a constant basis. I think that's the implication here. Uh, the caller, Tracy, has a good take on it. Let's hear it right now. You have played a clip 
of the Commerce Secretary talking about the training of workers that are currently not there to install broadband or, or just spend the money that they've, you know, appropriated through this crazy um, bill. I work in construction, and I'm in New York, which, which is crazy, but currently the work that we bid on through municipalities and through many, many woke companies requires us to give 30% of our of our bid to MWBE, which is something called women uh, minority women-owned businesses. An additional 6% of the bid has to go to disabled veterans. So 36% of our bid has to go to, um, you know, getting subcontractors to do something for that bid and fit into those boxes. Since 2013, we have been unable to, you know, meet those, those goals. And you really have to try and meet them. You have to demonstrate that you've tried to meet them. I don't think that this bill is going to change anything because this has been an existing issue, and I have no faith that the federal government can solve any of these issues with um, their big government, just throw money at it approach. Um, really interesting. So, Tracy, you think that actually there are the workforces there. It's just a matter of the government is uh, maybe buying themselves some time because they are not prepared to be able to administer the distribution of over a billion dollars in infrastructure spending in an effective way. Is that kind of what you think is going on? I think that they're going to try and pick winners or losers. And right now, their winners, which is the MWBEs, do not exist. And since they haven't existed organically since 2013, what makes you think that the government can do anything better? Yeah, that's an interesting point. And uh, let me ask you, what do you think of her comment that uh, we're going to have, you know, an equitable workforce and that the people who are going to implement the infrastructure is going to look like America uh, which is not, again, not not surprising by any means, but w- what did you make of this comment? Does it make it more or less likely that we're going to see any effective implementation of all the spending? I actually think it's quite condescending because if you look at the workforce now, especially the workforce at, you know, labor, um, union labor, union labor, because that's what yeah. we work with, union labor. These are very diversified people. Many of them are minorities. Many of them are women now. So I I think that for her to say that the workforce now is going to reflect America, I mean, come on. It reflects America right now, the people who are willing to work. We've had many people who sat on the sidelines getting their government checks and on a couch. It was very difficult during the pandemic to find, I apologize for that, to find people who are ready to work. But, you know, I, I find that she's condescending and she's disassociated with what's really going on in the world. I got American all right, that's all for today. Thanks so much to Paul D'Amelio and Greg Eben, our excellent producers, as well as Robert Marlowe, who helps me with some topic selection, night editor of Breitbart News. And thanks to all of you. Again, five-star review. Tell 10,000 friends and family members about us. Help us keep the Breitbart News Daily Podcast high on the charts and rising. That's what we want. That's what we need to get the word out. And we thank you so much for it. I'm back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Apologize.